testing, testing, testing the audio. Alright, test your audio. Test, test, test your audio. You killed my mother. You killed my father. You killed my people. You took my father's sword. Ah! <laughs> it was the end. Ah, that really uh, was a great touch there. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to VCR, a vintage cinema rewind. We're bringing old movies to new viewers. I'm Jason. And I'm Blake. What is best in life, Jason? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentations of their women. <laughs> That's a pretty good impression. Yeah, thank you. I was working on that. <laughs> yeah, I know I know you and uh, Annabelle spend countless hours uh, honing Making your... Making guttural sounds? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold. <laughs> you two are pretty much Arnold, uh, the second and third coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we've got the first Arnold movie to talk yes. about today. Uh, Conan the Barbarian from 1982. But before we get into that, a couple things to address. Uh, first, apologies that this is podcast episodes coming out a little bit late. COVID getting in the way of things has not been fun. Let me tell you that much. I would much rather have been recording podcasts than yeah. being sleeping for the last seven days. <laughs> On a separate note, one of our favorite uh, actors from the podcast has passed away recently. James Caan. Yeah, we just watched him, like, what, two movies ago? Uh, not that long ago. Uh, yeah. in, in Thief, which is honestly a fantastic movie. Yeah. And James Caan's performance is a completely noteworthy, like, yeah. Oscar-worthy performance. Absolutely um, amazing. And it, it was awesome to look into him before... Like, he passed away, like, yeah. to know about him. So that, then when I saw that, I saw it on, I think, Twitter or something mm-hmm. early in the morning. I was like, no! Yeah, so we lose another great James Leota and James Kahn this year, which is devastating. Yeah. So if you uh, kind of want to dive into his filmography, Thief is a fantastic place to start. Otherwise, uh, The Godfather is another absolutely incredible movie, which he is a large part of in the yeah. part one mm-hmm. of the series. Um, and another f- favorite that has a little bit more widespread appeal is Elf. Um, yeah, of- that was so awesome to find out, like to connect those dots, because I had watched Elf before I knew who he was. Yeah. And then going back, I figured it out. But yeah, it's <laughs> awesome that he had that range and that long of a career, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's uh, one thing. He de- he definitely uh, was able to get in a lot of movies over his life, so, yeah, so and a lot we'll, of great ones. We'll drink a beer for him. Yeah, cheers to that. All right, so let's dive into Conan the Barbarian, a uh, movie that came out in 1982. And Jason, you want to start with the plot? Yeah, this is a uh, sword and sorcery hero epic of perfect proportions. A young barbarian's family and village is slaughtered by a snake-worshipping battle cult. They end up enslaving him. He's forced to push a heavy wheel, the Wheel of Pain, around in circles until he becomes (laughs) Arnold-sized. Then then they force him to fight in gladiator arenas, which, uh, upon his release, he swowed... Swowed! He's forced to push a heavy wheel in circles, the Wheel of Pain, until he becomes Arnold-sized then fighting gladiator arenas. Upon his release, he vows to find and kill his old master with the help of the Queen of Thieves and his sidekick, Mongolian Buddy. Yeah, and not just the his old master, but the person who slaughtered his family, his tribe, 
literally cuts his mom's head off while he's holding her hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a very graphic intro to the movie. It really um, was. I wasn't expecting it to be that brutal. Yeah. Uh, for 1982, that was, and we see that the critics found that a little too harsh like it was too in, in, intense at that time yeah a lot of interesting things to talk about when we get back to a look back at the times yeah. for sure so yeah there's there's a lot of hatred and vengeance that's brewing in in arnold's mind conan's mind over his lifetime as obviously spending your entire childhood and adolescence spinning a wheel at a mill uh it's definitely give you gonna give you a lot of time to be thinking about stuff like that yeah, so and like he just got so jacked from that. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's funny. Arnold size. Yeah, yeah. It's funny seeing him start as a kid, and there's like twenty other people chained to it, and they're all pushing and pushing. And then he's like sixteen or something, and he's still pushing it. There's only a few others left, and then eventually it's just him pushing this massive like flywheel around. It's kind of like in Ben Hur. When Ben Hur is like the only guy who survives the gallows, yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. he's just got that will to live because of the hatred that's been brewing yeah. him over time, and like that need for revenge. Um, it's it's a, very similar in that regard. Yeah, exactly. And yep. uh, then from there, he um, the gladiator arena scenes were pretty fun. Yeah, and helps him like train up and everything, and it explains it explains a lot of how he came to be the person he is like mm -hmm. uh how he it was able to gain that education and and he, again like learn that combat and everything else i thought that was a really good touch um to adding to the lore of the character yeah yeah they did it like a it took a while to get to where the movie really starts. Yes. Like his, his plot line really starts. It takes like half an hour. Yeah. But with a lot of voiceovers in between yes. and a lot of narration. Yeah. yeah. Let's uh, move on to characters and people you may know. So obviously our first character, Conan, we've kind of talked about him quite a bit at this point, um, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger in his first film role ever. And I got to say, there's something pretty endearing about his portrayal in this. Like, yeah. e even in his first role, he's pretty charismatic. He Like, he's somebody that it's clear that this guy could be a movie star. Yeah, um, yeah. And like, you could see that in him from the beginning. And his accent, like, I think he, I have seen him in, like, a few things before that mm -hmm. weren't, like, full films like this. Right. And he was still working on his accent, but he got it to, a, like, a point where it was so fitting for this movie. Yes. he. That was something that he did specifically work on with a linguistics coach is to reduce his Austrian accent. Mm. Um, that's actually a minor, like, bone to pick that I have with this movie is why not just make, like, everybody else in the tribe Austrian so that... Yeah. When you get to like him, he it he doesn't just stand out because his yeah. dad has like the thick British accent, yeah, uh, yeah. and so does everybody else in his tribe. And then he's like <laughs> Arnold, basically. Afterwards, I was like, yeah, I was like, this is such a minor well, thing, but <laughs> maybe everyone else on the wheel of pain was Austrian. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> he picked it up. Yeah, I guess so. But like, I don't know. A very very minor complaint. I know, but. As somebody who studies movies like I do, it stuck out to me. Uh, but anyway, Arnold, you obviously know as the Olympic weightlifter, Mr. Olympus or whatever he was before, uh, like 
the greatest weightlifter Mr. Universe. Ever. Mr. Universe. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. Uh, transitions into movies. Some of my favorite Arnold movies being Predator. Probably the Predator is number one. Terminator. And then The Running Man, which I don't know. Have you ever seen The Running Man? No, I haven't. Oh, it is, it's such a great 80s movie. And yeah. we need to watch it for the podcast. That's how I feel about Total Recall. I loved mm, that one. I almost watched Total Recall a few weeks ago. and yeah. I didn't end up doing it. But... Yeah, we'll have to have an Arnold uh, month or something sometime to yeah. go through those and because the running movie is like the most 80s movie ever. It's based on a book by Richard Bachman, obviously hmm. uh, Stephen King's pen name. Yeah. Other than the premise, completely different in everything from like the story and how it plays out to the the vibe. The vibe, <laughs> yeah. The vibe of the movie is very different from that of the book. The but gravitas. Yes, <laughs> it's still it's still. Very entertaining. I remember hmm. Jess and I watched it early in our relationship, and we both were like, that was ridiculous, yeah. but I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I uh, remember watching Last Action Hero, mm. I think, mm-hmm. when I was a kid, 1993. That was uh, one of my favorites early on. And then he, he that's where he starts to get into more of the um, funny like yeah, like the family roles. movies and, and stuff like that. Because he had around that time... Um, what's the one where he's like running around trying to get his kid a toy? That's Last Action Hero. That's what I'm no, talking about, not. isn't it? No, that's different. It's because he's trying to get him his son, the Last Action Hero. No, that you're, you're thinking of a different movie then. Because the Last Action Hero is something else. No. Yeah? I know for a fact because I almost watched. Oh, the Jingle last... All the Way! Jingle All the Way! There it okay. is. Okay, so I, um, I mixed those up. And then there's also one where he's with uh, the short guy. Uh, Joe Pesci? No, no, not Joe Pesci. Uh, um, he plays the penguin. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly who I'm thinking of. Why are we blanking on this right now? Um, and they're like twins. Yeah, twins. It's called twins. Is isn't it just it? called twins? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great movie. I yeah, watched that yeah. in the last couple of years too, and Jess and I both really enjoyed that. Yeah, one. that was 1988. Yeah, that's a great movie. Um, and then we could keep talking so many of his movies. But oh yeah, like Arnold Schwarzenegger is a household name. Yeah, we don't need to yeah. go into too much detail. Like he was the governor of but there's a lot California. Of, there's point. a lot of movies that people haven't seen too. Like yeah, a lot he, of his older ones. Arnold is an actor that you could dive into his filmography and have a lot of fun with because there's a lot of like really great action films and there's a lot of really ridiculous comedy mm-hmm. um, and and even some like heartwarming family movies. Like I don't know, Jingle All the Way is maybe not regarded as a heartwarming family yeah. movie. People kind of hate that movie yeah. and love to hate that movie, but uh, Kindergarten Cop. It's not the Tuma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's just Wait, like he's so good at churning out great quotes too. Yeah. But let's move on. I want to quickly talk about the friends that Conan makes along his journeys that are very important to his character and to the plot. Uh so first is Sabotai, the warrior thief that Conan befriends pretty early on in his travels. It almost becomes a buddy cop or a, a buddy kind of movie between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Very close kind of relationship. Not played by anybody significant, as well as the other character in their group being Valeria. And Valeria is a really, a really interesting character, and I actually really liked how they wrote Valeria. She's written as Conan's equal in, in combat. Yeah, yeah. She's an Amazonian type of woman. And this is the 80s, and we're seeing her, like, we're seeing Conan 
let her take care of the bad guys because he trusts her too. And yeah. she does the same for him. Like it's, yeah, it's really cool to see. Yeah, um, played by Sandal Bergman, who isn't a household name, actually. She did a couple of similar types of movies. She kind of got typecast. Uh, she did She and then Red Sonia afterwards, yeah. and then kind of faded into obscurity after that, which I is, heard... is kind of disappointing, and I think that's a little bit the, just the sign of the times, like, yeah. um, and kind of running out of traction with these kind of sword and sorcery type of movies. Um, yeah, like, it had its place. Like, this, I think this was, like, around the time that well, the comics were cr- like crazy in the seventies. Yeah. So they were releasing these after those like kids who grew up with the comics were like really getting into them. So maybe it just died out a bit. Yeah. I heard Red Sonia was amazing. I would. I, like, oh really? I, I want to put that on my list. Yeah, yeah, we could. Yeah, it might not ever get into the podcast with how many movies we have to yeah, watch, but yeah. uh, definitely worth checking out if you're if you really enjoyed the movie Conan, uh, Red Sonia. It also has Arnold in a supporting role, I believe, as well. Oh, awesome! So our next character, um, who is maybe a little bit less important to the gang, but is actually the narrator of our film, yeah. the Wizard played by Mako, uh, which is actually an interesting Japanese actor and voice actor. I, I didn't look into him, yeah. Yeah, he he wa- he did some voice acting for some really popular TV shows like Samurai Jack and a couple of other things. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, very big, very interesting filmography. Uh, I'm not going to dive too deep into him just because he's not absolutely crucial to the movie, and we have a couple other people that I want to talk about. Uh, Thulsa Doom is the main villain of the film. He's the leader of the snake cult uh, group that we see who murders um, Arnold's entire, or sorry, I got to switch to Conan. Um, (laughs) So who murders Conan's entire family at the opening scenes of the film and then sells Conan into slavery. And he has a great haircut. (laughs) It's something. (laughs) All right. It's, it's something. All right. Played by James Earl Jones. Yeah. Um, very distinct voice that you would know as the voice of Darth Vader and Mufasa yeah. uh, and the Lion King. Like, uh, almost a household name, I would say. James Earl Jones, like, if he's not a household name, he's a like, household ask voice. Ask your parents, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If you don't know. Also, a pretty prominent theater actor. I didn't realize that, but he's won a bunch of Tonys over his lifetime huh. um, and really important in that scene as well. The last character people you may know that I, I wanted to mention was the king who sets uh, Conan and his gang of thieves off on their adventure and kind of, I guess, sets the the team off on, on a hunch, basically, of where they'd find Thulsa Doom because Thulsa Doom has taken his daughter, the mm-hmm. princess, played by Max von Sydow, which is an actor who, as soon as I saw him, I was like, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, I had that feeling too. He he's acted in roles like Shutter Island and Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon, right. not a good movie, not no, a no, good no. movie, but <laughs> very entertaining. Yeah. Um, but he's he's somebody who you uh, he he's been in a number of other films as well. Those were just the two that I I really recognized him from. Um, he actually did this movie for his son, who is a, a longtime Conan fan at this point in time. Hmm. Um, so it's cool to see an actor take on a role for for somebody else. Yeah, basically. yeah, that's fun. And this is directed by John Milius, uh, one of the writers for Apocalypse Now, oh. which is really neat piece of interesting fan or film uh, history. And Oliver Stone, who 
I hadn't heard the name before, but Oliver Stone is actually a very prolific director. Um, I've heard the name. I just can't place it. Uh, he did most <clears throat> recently. He did the film Snowden, which is a pretty good movie oh. with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, he did Platoon, which I haven't seen, but I've always That's really wanted to watch. Yeah. Uh, it's a good military comedy. And he also did Natural Born Killers, which is very, oh, very famous. We should do that. We should. I've I've never watched it in full because I didn't enjoy it the first time I saw it. But have we d- we did a Woody Harrelson. We've not we have not no? done Woody Harrelson yet. Oh, we got to fit him in. Yeah, yeah, for sure we will. Um. Yeah, did, yeah okay. I, I'm closed out characters and people. So you I have know. one that you didn't catch. Um. I know a little bit more about Arnold, apparently, potentially, but um, his best friend, Franco Colombo, is in this mm. movie. So uh, I did see that. I did yeah. see that. So you know about him. They're, they just grew up together. Like, they came up together in bodybuilding. Right. And this was a... And, and they went on to do some other films together as well, right? Yeah, yeah. He was in Conan, Terminator, uh, The Running Man. He's mostly a back... Like, he's not an actor, but he's a big guy. Right. So, he fits into a lot of Arnold's movies. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, he wasn't in anything really recent, but 80s and 90s, he was in everything, basically, that Arnold was in. Yeah. (laughs) Not everything, (laughs) but yeah. But I thought that was cool, just because of, like, how they came up together. Yeah, for sure. Like they were like they started working out on Muscle Beach together before they made it into uh, like the Mr. Universe and everything like that. He's the Rob Schneider to Arnold's Adam Sandler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who is this movie for? I have a couple points here, but I'm actually looking for you to um, kind of filter this and and give me some other ideas. The first and foremost who this movie is for is the fans of the sword and sorcery genre. Yeah. And if you're a big fan of that genre, you don't actually have a, a ton of movies really to or big like blockbuster movies to dive into. Like I I did a bit of a dive on the genre itself. The other movies that are are pretty popular in. Uh, that are classified in that are the Clash of the Titans, um, and which is actually '80s movie before it was the uh, most remake. recent yeah. remake. Dragonheart and Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal's a movie that I really want to cover at some point. I didn't have a look at that one. Maybe. It's a it's a anthology movie, and it's very famous. That yeah. I really do want to watch that at some point on the podcast. There was also the Beastmaster and the Neverending Story, which the Neverending Story is a movie that I do really enjoy. But like I said, there really hasn't been, and specifically in the last twenty years, um, there hasn't really been many live-action movies of this genre that have yeah. come out. Yeah, like oh. like a Knight's Tale, but that's just knights. It's just sword without exactly. sorcery. Exactly. You have you have Merlin. Like, there's been various Merlin. Well, movies. And, and the sword and sorcery genre is pretty specific, right? Like it's a, it's kind of like that that hero's journey, like you like it's in the name, like the epic battles of warriors. But then there's also like the the wizardry and, yeah, and magic yeah. that's happening as well. Yeah, like like medieval kind of movies don't all like not every medieval movie is going to be a sword and sorcery yeah, movie. Yeah. Recently, Pixar actually did the animated film Onward, which is apparently a kind of a unique spin on the genre. Um, I haven't seen it, but it's uh, it's like a an urban sword and sorcery film. Oh, okay, that's fun. Yeah, 
so I kind of alluded to it as well. Like, I think if you're kind of interested in that hero's journey type of story, then this is also kind of an interesting movie to view because we see the motivation behind Arnold. We see him yeah. grow as uh, into an adult and, and her- foster like that, that hatred inside of him um, to go on and do all of these great things. Arnold Schwarzenegger, if you're a big fan of him, yeah, then this 100%. is a great movie to check out, especially because it's such an early look into his his career as an actor. Um, he actually struggled to develop his career up until this point because he was told like his body was too weird, he had a funny accent, and that his name was too long yeah, for, yeah. Uh, for the movie and industry. too different for like Americans to pronounce or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So this... Basically, this was Arnold being told no up to this point in time, yeah, and yeah. then he he does this. It's very popular when it comes out, and and it kind of sets him on this really great trajectory to be yeah. the Arnold that we know now. I'm, basically, he's almost like the first, like The Rock or something like that. Like, yeah, like uh, transitioning from some sort of like physical fitness type yeah. of role yeah um he probably is in that discussion like i i imagine the rock would credit arnold schwarzenegger for his transition yeah i'm not thinking of too many others because this would have been probably a couple years or prior to i know it's a couple years prior to the princess bride with andre Andre the giant Giant. yeah but maybe the viewers know something that we don't um, Uh, and could comment on that other who this movie is for i put fans of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, uh, this yeah. is kind of a. I feel like a lot of Dungeons and Dragons players who are interested in the Conan lore have probably already watched this. But yeah. if if you're kind of maybe looking for some inspiration into your camp, future campaigns, then this is probably a good, interesting uh, look at at what you could be doing, um, or even like other campaign style games that are in that genre. I think you're gonna really enjoy the the storytelling in, in this movie. Yeah. Um... Um, actually, funny enough, a uh, little tangent on that. I've I have played Dungeons and Dragons uh, mm. twice. It was the same campaign. We we played it a couple times. I had a lot of fun, and our campaign was actually the way that our characters acted after watching this movie. I was like, it's really funny because we acted out like the group, like yeah, similar to this group yeah. kind of thing, and huh. and it was it was pretty. It was fun watching like a live action yeah, of like yeah. a little bit of what we had uh, acted out in that. So it's okay. kind of neat. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Who else do you think this movie is There's, for? Uh, I don't know when I was planning to talk about this, but something really cool happened recently. Have you caught up with Stranger Things? I am not caught up with Stranger okay. Things. Okay. So there's a certain scene where Hopper has Conan's sword. Oh, nice. Yes. That's awesome. And, and, like, Hopper, the actor, I forget his name, he was super pumped about it. Mm-hmm. They, like, he's, like, they were going through swords or something, and he's, like, can we get something like Conan's or something? And they actually got the Conan oh, that's uh, awesome. sword for this scene. So we see it twice, and, like, I, I was watching after just watching this for this episode right and i was like that's conan's sword <laughs> and like annabelle's like like who gives a shit yeah and i was like no like this is sick yeah that's and then, cool um i like looked on reddit as soon like as soon as i watched that and there's all these like 30 to 40 year old guys who were like geeking like, out yeah, over it yeah yeah like and and uh the actor for hopper he like posted an instagram thing and he's like i'm so pumped that we were able to slip this in yeah and that's yeah, really cool it was, yeah it was really cool 
Because it's a very unique sword. Oh, yeah, and, very unique sword. Like, not something... I mean, A, the fact that it was actually created for this movie, like, like it's a legitimate sword. Yeah, Like, yeah. you could swing that thing around and knock somebody's head off yeah. pretty easy. Anyways, it was really cool to see that. So anyone who's, like, super into... Um, Stranger Things, you might want to check it out. I yeah, don't know. it's a cool like connection to yeah. something that's very mainstream right now. Yeah, and especially because it is the '80s in Stranger Things, and those kids love Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, so there's a little bit of a connection there. Just yeah. a little fun thing. I was so pumped when I saw it. Yeah, absolutely. So, is there anybody else that I've missed that you think this movie is for? I feel like you want me to tell you, but I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, no, I honestly, like, okay. <laughs> I, I, I kind of struggle because, uh, like, I'll, I'll front run this. It, it's This isn't movie for me, I would say. Like, I I enjoyed aspects of the film, but if, if you a- had to ask me if this is a movie that I would uh, add to my annual watches um, or something like that, then it's probably a no. Now... I will say I would watch Conan the Destroyer, the sequel. Um, yeah, to I want to see. Yeah. Apparently, the uh, the sequel was like very well regarded by fans of Conan. Yeah, apparently it's uh, and apparently it's a really fun movie as well. Uh, I think and I've probably... seen both. Like I watched these when I was like fourteen. So yeah. this this is a movie for like fourteen year olds who might be like watching stuff with your dad or something like that, yeah, or I your could... grandpa or uh, like your mom, whoever. But yeah. like it, this is like a a thing that builds nostalgia. Twenty it's pure twelve nostalgia to fourteen, for me. yeah, twelve to fourteen is a great time to watch this movie. Yeah. I think when I, I feel like in the eighties it was like six year olds watching this. This was very heavily targeted towards like, like really like ki- like kids loved Conan. Hmm. And, uh, but I don't think they were expecting such brutality and the nudity and everything yeah. like that. So, <laughs> but I'm sure there were kids watching it. They were, shouldn't have been watching it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But, but yeah, for like certain age kids. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I would suggest it to anybody to have your kid watch, but like, I don't, like I said, 12 to 14, you're probably all right. Like mm. it probably, this is where I saw it. Cause I have seen, I think I did see part of Conan the Destroyer on TV growing up and it would have been on like, like a late night on like Teletoon or tell, I don't remember what the, all the channels were called. It might but, have been on like, I don't know, HBO or something <laughs> like just an old, no, it was not, not, a, not HBO. It was like uh, like YTV a, or something like that. It could that. have been YTV. Yeah. Late There's, night YTV movie. I guess they probably censored it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, so they're, yeah, they're, okay, like, you yeah. probably, if you want to check it out with your kid, if you see it on TV, it's probably censored or clipped yeah. some of these bits. But, yeah. but anyway, let, let's move on. Clip the bits. <laughs> <laughs> when to watch? I think this is uh, a pretty good Friday night. Don't think too hard, kind of movie. Yeah, yeah. Like you've been tired all week. You just want to get lost in something, and you might not pay attention to all of it because it's a long movie. Yeah, um, uh, it feels like a long movie. It's not actually that that long, but it, it's just because of maybe some pacing yeah. issues, um, like, and and it's not up to like the current day's pacing. Yeah, um, yeah. Where it, like like we can contrast this with Heat, and this was something that I did think about writing down is that Heat moves at a breakneck speed yeah. the entire movie, whereas this kind of plods along, especially in certain parts. Yeah, Annabelle missed the first half hour of like the slow build to him becoming Arnold Mm -hmm. and I mean uh, Conan and then um 
after that, she watched the majority of it, and she was like, you know what, the pacing's not that bad, which is strange for her to say. Interesting. There, there was, like, it, it was plotting, but it wasn't boring. Like, there was always something happening, but it wasn't always ultra exciting. Yeah, the biggest offenders are probably at the beginning, where it really builds on yeah. that plot. There's that heavy, like, uh, voiceover narration. Yeah. So, to skip over that bit... You kind of miss out on on part of the motivations. Um, yeah, but that's not always important. Like you can yeah. kind of get why he's doing it. Yeah. Because like I don't know how well this holds up to the comic books. Mm-hmm. This would be great for the people who like like the comic books, obviously. But at the same time, this was like a mashup of a, of a few different storylines in the comic books. Yeah, and a few different characters as well. Because yeah. even the character Conan, this is a little bit. Uh, Conan the Barbarian and also Cull the Conqueror, Conqueror as well, right? Yeah. Um, kind of a mashup of those two. So it's probably interesting to kind of dissect all of that as as a fan of the comic series and yeah. the novellas. I think they I think they started as novellas, maybe. Yeah, like that kind of yeah. Something like that. Um, a very famous writer was behind that series. I guess we, yeah, we could drop his name. <laughs> uh, Robert deserved- E. Howard. Yes. Like, fans of comic books and, um, uh, like, this genre would know that name. Absolutely, yeah, because he kind of invented the genre. Uh, it was Pulp Magazines where it was initially, uh, where it was in initially. Mm. Great nostalgic feeling to this movie for me. Like, if you're feeling like a goodie, like a... a fun 80s movie. This is a good thing to watch on like a Friday, Saturday. Maybe a hungover Sunday. Yeah, oh, I can see this being an afternoon yeah, movie. A, a hungover Sunday where you watch like every Conan. Well, the first two probably. You probably don't need to watch like the 2011 reboot. You might. Apparently, so uh, one review that I, I was just watching a little clip of. Joe Rogan and Quentin Tarantino talking about Conan, mm-hmm. like the Barbarian, the original and everything. Yeah. And they said the second is their favorite and that for the first little bit of the newest one, mm-hmm. while Conan is still a child, mm-hmm. that actor just killed it. And mm. that that sequence, the beginning sequence that was so boring and the one that we just watched, right. or like it took a while, was absolutely perfect. Compared it, it added to the more weight books. to the film then. Yeah, and the but then, but then uh, Jason Momoa or whoever wrote for him didn't follow up with ah, that okay. first beginning clip. So that it might be worth it. Yeah, watch. it might be worth checking out, especially if you're a fan of uh, Conan and, and Arnold's portrayal. Mm-hmm. To see that, it's almost like uh, comparing Batman's, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, where to watch right now? You can stream this on Crave Stars or Amazon Stars. Either of those add-ons to those uh subscription platforms um or check it out on just watch and see where else you might be able to rent it or stream it from yeah just Uh, watch it's where it's at yeah it's Uh, where it's all at (laughs) so at this point it's time for us to cut it off uh we've been as spoiler free as possible and now we're gonna dive into the movie and it full of spoilers and i think jason wants to break because he's clinking on my drink to see if i've drank enough <laughs> all right well we'll be back in a we'll few. be back all right we're back um so spoiler full yeah 
Let's just um, talk themes uh, first. Let's bang this out of the way really quick. I think the first theme is that uh, guttural Arnold is the best Arnold. <laughs> it's definitely Arnold as best for sure. Like yeah. the amount of times that he was like, like, like I, I, I had a good laugh out loud. Yeah, of all yeah, of those yeah. like moments. Um, definitely a highlight Arnold noise film. Yes, yes. <laughs> like that's if anybody can make like a clip of just every time Arnold is like <laughs> if you could do that for the podcast oh man <laughs> that would be, be unreal. amazing yeah. yeah the theme of revenge and avenging your family is obviously extremely important here uh just the, the theme of family in general because Arnold loses his family from or Conan loses his family from such an early age and then he goes on over his travels to really develop this family that he has with Sabotai and uh Valeria, yeah, um, and even the wizard eventually, very very yeah. close relationship with the, his group basically. Um, the, I, there, there's also a bit of a theme of power here, um, and and what people's values are because Dulce Doom um, initially uh, his motivations at the beginning of the film are I think to do with like uh, a prophecy of sword and steel or something like that yeah yeah there's this prophecy that uh because conan's father introduces like the concept of like how man um got steel from the gods and so there's this prophecy of steel yeah. that is kind of central and there's it's uh there it's like an unanswered question that both Arnold is kind of like it's in the back of his mind mm -hmm. as something to like figure out before he dies, but that's kind of what Thalsa Doom is after a little bit too. Yeah, that's his original primary motivation. Yeah. But as the film goes on and he gets older, he begins to realize that that doesn't really matter to him, and it's just the power over people yeah. and the people that yeah. worship him is what's really important. And we get that yeah. scene where he has the woman jump to her death. Yeah, uh, very reminiscent of Midsummer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Side note: fantastic movie. Oh. I'm so glad you watched that too. Uh, yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. I, yeah. uh, Ari Aster is a really great director, and I'm really excited to watch where he goes. Yeah. Um, but complete tangent. So that's kind of also important is is that power and and whether you rule with like fear or love because that's something also that's important to this film is we know that be based on the narration that Conan is going to go on to be a great leader um mm. and a king of people and i think that this film is kind of that build up and that and that the, it's like the backstory of how he becomes a good king because yeah, it and, yeah it balances like what does it mean to have power yeah and what what makes power and how are you going to use it and and as as a side note here this is something that at this point in time like this gave me nostalgia for another movie actually um the second mad max movie oh. uh i actually i think that i think that there's probably a connection here um whether the director really liked the original mad max series I, i'm gonna look it up really quick mad max to the road warrior is it it's almost this a very similar feeling movie to this because there's danny the devito what's that danny devito 
Danny DeVito's our man that there we talked we about earlier. Right. Very very random tangent. Sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah. But it's got that narration of the telling of a great leader and how our narrator came to know our leader. Yeah. Um, and the story of his journey and his adventure to become the person that he is. And so... The Mad Max 2 actually came out in 1981, so just a year before this film. Interesting. Enough. Huh, interesting. Um, I, I think that's a cool connection there or something that I connected to. Mad Max 2 did it better, but yeah. whatever, we'll move on. Because that's one of the greatest movies of all time. Whatever, we'll move on. Oh, so to go back to the theme, King Osric is also, like, a, he balances that, uh, he balances out uh, Thulsa Doom in yes. the other side and he in the movie says there comes a time thief when the jewels cease to sparkle when the gold loses its luster when the throne room becomes a prison and all that is left is a father's love for his child yeah again like this is all shaping who conan's gonna become uh, because right before that we see conan uh steal the jewel yeah, that really massive jewel from yeah. Thulsa's Doom's compound. Yeah. Uh, which we get that, like, massive snake battle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that was really fun. Um, like, it was, like, they snuck in really easily, and then he had to, yeah, fight that massive snake. And then later. And then they just kind of, like, dip, and then yeah. it's not really brought up until, like, way later. That yeah, he, when he's he like, you killed it. my snake. Yeah. <laughs> Thulsa Doom is like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. <laughs> And then now Thulsa only has, like, a tiny little snake. He's like, this is what I got to deal with now. I just have a big snake. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's all I've got for themes. I want to move into effects and filming because I'm. this is That's probably big, the highlight yeah. of the movie for me is yeah. the effects and filming. Uh, so the movie itself is filmed in uh, Spain. Great landscapes. Very and, cool landscape. And yeah. you get a pretty decent mix of things. I wouldn't say this is, like the greatest movie ever for different mixes of scenery. I like, I think Lord of the Rings probably does that slightly better, yeah, but yeah. Uh, still very cool seeing those different scenes. Like Spain is definitely no New Zealand, but it's close. Yeah. And this is also where I wrote that Mad Max to uh, note about how the storytelling is, is very similar. The difference, the contrast here is I think the, this movie relied a little too much on the exposition of the narrator to kind of move the plot forward and explain what was happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's definitely a balance to be had with that, and I, I think that this film maybe was on the wrong side of that balance. Arnold and Sandal did their all their own stunts because they couldn't find suitable yes. body doubles for this. Film. Yeah, because this is pretty early on in both of their yeah, careers. Yeah, no, right? no one was as big as Arnold. Yeah, well, could... and he had to tone down as well for the movie. And you can kind of tell a little bit. Like I, I thought I was like, I know it's early Arnold, but I thought he was, and he still is massive. Yeah. Oh, he's he's freaking huge. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, he could actually grab the sword from his back. Uh, in the movies. So. Oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's why you see him at one point switch it from his back to his side. Yeah, maybe. It's just a little too tough. It's like, yeah. Ah. Yeah. Anyway, so 
I think it's really cool to see actors do their own stunts. However, I think that in a movie like this, it probably has a bit of a negative impact yeah. in the f- that it probably waters down some of the action because the studio is not going to want to like risk yeah. these people. And you can kind of tell that. Exactly. Uh, and I think that that's another kind of knock against the movie is that that, that might be why some of the action doesn't always feel like up to snuff. Yeah. However, Arnold did have like weapons training. He had martial arts training, uh, and he even got horseback riding lessons from specialists leading up to the movie. So he uh, actually even trained with an eleven-pound broadsword for two hours a wow. day to be able to wield that for three months. Hmm. And each broadsword that they made for him cost ten thousand dollars, and they they kind of had to make it look weathered. So they they really like beat the hell out of those things. Yeah, um, that's and it's so awesome that it came back to like now. Yeah, like, that, that it comes full circle. Yeah, he also learned uh, some climbing techniques as well as how to fall and roll and even jump uh, from upwards of fifteen feet in the air. Wow! So, so he's, he's pretty battle ready at yeah, this point after yeah. this movie, which is cool. And this movie is not only is is it a great credit to Arnold's training in that regard, it's also a pretty good training into Arnold's his acting career because this is a movie that Arnold actually credits with uh, improving his acting chops and specifically with having two massive actors around with Max von Sydow and uh, James Earl Jones. Like those are two massive actors at this point in time who have both very famous and well-known movies. So he said that he, he, both of them were really open to helping him learn how to become a better actor. Um, Yeah. So very, very impactful film to his film career, obviously. He did get, as we mentioned before, that uh, voice coach to lessen his accent, um, which is something that even Jess pointed out while we were watching, is that she noticed that his accent wasn't as thick as in other films uh, since then, even. And he was actually supposed to be the narrator of the film. It wasn't supposed to be Mackie, the wizard, um, yeah. but the studio didn't want him to because of his accent. Mm. Sean Connery and uh, John Hewson were considered for uh, some roles in this, too. Yeah, there's a few big actors that turned down roles in this, and I can understand why. Like, yeah, like, this, this, was uh, a, this was a reach for the people who were pr- trying to produce this. It was this. definitely a risk, for sure. Yeah. Like, a, like, And you and I have seen since that this type of genre doesn't always land with audiences, and it doesn't seem to be that big blockbuster genre that... That similar types of films, like Lord of the Rings is a fantasy film that has like similar aspects in the sword and sorcery genre, but yeah. it, it's still more of a fantasy film, and, and something like that resonates with people more. Yeah, that's fair. The snake cult of Thulsa Doom is actually modeled off of, it's called a flagellance... Uh, which is a cult that came out of Germany huh. um, at the time of the Black Plague in the 14th no, it, century. That kind of fits. I could see them, like, they acted German. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, but that's where the white robes came from and uh, why some of them are whipping themselves. It's actually specifically from that cult. Self-flagellation. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's, like, uh, something that I actually wanted to mention. The way that I'll describe this film is that there's a lot of aspects that I like about this film Mm. and a lot of aspects that I don't like about this film. And one thing that I really do enjoy about this film is the costume and uh, 
the, the costume design of the film. And that was the only one that stood out to me. I was like, ah, these like white robes are a little lame, mm. but they're actually based on like a real life cult, which is really cool. Huh. Um, that they, they kind of have their roots in something. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I feel like it fit for that time just because of, uh, like, at least in a modern depiction of what the 70s, like, 60s and 70s, like, hippie culture yeah. was like. It felt like that was, like, reminiscent of that mixed with the cult. Like, if you take it too far, you could be like this kind of thing. Well, and, and that's something that we're getting to it actually pretty soon, but we'll, we'll talk about it right now. Um, a look back at the times. The Thulsa Doom cult is something that you can draw a lot of comparisons to, to the Jim, Jim Jones and the Jonestown yes. cult. Yeah. And especially that power over, over men, mm. um, basically being able to influence people to even kill themselves. Yeah. And that's something like this movie is a few years after that massacre and that oh. tragedy. So there's definitely a, a lot that this film was saying about about that as hmm. well. Interesting. And at the time, the movie itself, like you kind of alluded to before, drew a lot of controversy because of the violence. Because yeah. this is a pretty violent movie. Mm -hmm. um, and not only that, it shows a lot of the graphic violence. Like when Thulsa Doom's head is cut off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily the cleanest no. uh, cut off ever. Yeah. I, just, I rewatched that right yeah. before we started <laughs> recording. But he like he holds the heads up and then just kind of tosses it down, which yeah, is kind of epic. Yeah, and then it stumbles but... down the steps. Yeah. yeah. But there's, there's other scenes in the movie that are pretty graphic. There's some Arnold butt. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, the sex scene with witch at yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Never bone a witch. Yeah. Life lessons. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the big aspects of looking back at the times there. I want to talk about score because this is one of those other things that I really liked about this movie. The score is fin absolutely fantastic. Not only does it fit the film, it fits the genre extraordinarily yeah, yeah. well. Um, it's not something that I think we see often is a score fitting a movie like i can't picture the score itself it's not something that's necessarily stuck in my head but it fit the movie so well at the time that it's something that i don't always notice the score but when i do it says something about how great mm. of a score it is what's really interesting about this score is that basil polaritis uh was actually hired for conan before the filming even began Usually what happens is the main scenes of the film are filmed and then that's when the composer steps in and starts mm. writing the theme of the, the movie. Whereas he was really uh, already working like in the early stages of the production. Yeah, like I saw that he had storyboards. Uh, yes, like that's the where initial he started storyboards. With. And then they kind of modified the score as they went uh, throughout filming. And then before... The end of production is when they, they recorded that score. So he was involved every step of the way, and, and that's where he helped develop that mood. Because I think that the score adds a lot to the mood of the film, mm -hmm. and that, it's one of the highlights to me for this movie. And this is kind of crazy. Like the This might have been one of the first uses of like a software, like hardware and software system for producing the music of the film they were able to modify the tempo of his compositions and synchronize them with the action in the film after he made the score kind of this um, is something that i found like it's one of one of the it's like, probably it's one of the pretty first. early however i know we talked about tangerine dream 
on a previous yeah. episode, and I can't remember the movie that that was that they were famous for. Oh, uh, Thief. There was use of doing using that electronic. No, that, no, that was the first synthetic, uh, oh, synthetic okay. music. But yeah. so this was like one of the earlier times when um, they were able to use like a software to like change the tempo. Oh, of, okay. Of the music as it, like... Yeah, I see so, what you mean. So, like, that's where the music fits so well, mm-hmm. because, like, let's say, like, Swords Clash, the music hits at that right time. Right. So they were able to, like, really, or at least start to refine that for the first time. Right. We didn't really talk too much about the effects, like, the snake and the cut off head like a little bit there but also the fight scenes yes like choreography between the fight choreography and fight scenes is lacking if you're comparing it to today's standards yeah back then i think it was at like a seven out of ten yeah it was okay and you you did mention the fact that they didn't have actual body doubles for like the stunt work Mm -hmm. so i think that definitely has an effect there but like there's this one scene where you see I think it was Columbo, his Arnold's friend. Mm-hmm. He like swings a sword to try and take off Arnold's head, and it like it clunks into the um, stone. Right. And it's like, like that's where I was like, that probably wasn't supposed to happen because it was like a fake stone. But right. it, like they were actually like swinging hard. I don't know. Yeah, it was that's, just okay. That's where it doesn't hold up, and that's where like you have to remember you're watching an early '80s film. Yeah, and and what's going into it, like you said, or and like I said, like not having stunt doubles really, I think, hurts a film like this. Yeah, but they were the they did use mechanical effects for like the snakes and oh, and the transition of uh, Thalsa Doom into a snake. That yeah, that was, was kind of interesting. That was pretty good, and it was it was like creepy enough that I think it would have like really freaked out audiences back then. On the flip side, I will say one thing that absolutely did not work was the scene where Arnold is brought to life by mm. by those spirits. They looked horrible. Yeah, horrible. Um, like th- that looked like like a nineteen like ten cartoon. Yeah, like, that they like just... and she's kind of like batting them off and stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. that that was a low point in yeah. the effects for me. Yeah, for sure. And the I film agree in that. general. Yeah, yeah, and. <laughs> Honestly, like, the storyline there of her bringing him back to life, and then she was like, like, I owe something to gods, and then... Right. No, what? <laughs> and Thulsa Doom using snakes as arrows. All right, that's kind of like, cool. Like, it was kind of cool, but kind of ridiculous. Like, it, it was... Just he too... just, like, I like how he kind of, like, licks them straight, and then, like, shoots them off, and then they're them. like, ah, damn, like, snake, and then they kind of, like, pull it off, and it's, like... Yeah, and... Goes back to being a snake. Yeah, and then, like, you, you actually see Arnold pulling a real snake. Like, he's pulling it straight, and then it, it's, like, a real snake that's, like, flailing around, yeah. and it's... Ah, it was just so crazy <laughs> that like it's almost like watching like the room or something like this there's certain parts of this movie where you watch it just for the like the you have to suspend silliness. belief a little bit yeah to yeah. make some of this work let's talk sequels prequels and reboots um like as we mentioned already this is based on a series of pulp fiction novels um it's that Kroll and Conan story hybrid. Um, it's heavily based in Celtic mythology and the Celtic people, which is really cool. 
half of my family is kind of of that that Celtic origin, so mm. it's really cool to see that being portrayed on screen. There was actually supposed to be at least four sequels that Arnold signed onto for the Conan franchise. And so Conan the Destroyer, uh, we've talked about it a little bit, and and Roger Ebert even really enjoyed the film. He said it was more fun than the first, even that he liked it more. Hmm. Um, but it only had like an okay box office performance, and nobody in the cast or crew was really enthusiastic about doing a third movie. So it kind of went into development hell and hasn't been released since. However, there is talks about doing a a movie with Arnold himself called King Conan or the legend of Conan, um, which he, they started developing in 2018 and then COVID kind of shelved it again. So we'll see if it ever see the light sees the light of day, but it is in development potentially. That would be so fun. And like if they do it well, it would bring so many like new fans to this area of film, like sword and sorcery. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I think it's, like, the uh, right time for that. It might be because of all the, like, we have Game of Thrones and we have the Lord of the Rings series coming out later this year. We had The Wheel of Time. There's a lot of, like, really famous novel adaptations, but also that fantasy realm where they're not quite sword and sorcery, but that's where, like, something like Conan could kind of uh, stand out against all of those other films yeah. and TV shows. There is actually a third movie um, that did come out called Call the Conqueror. Yeah. Apparently, it's an awful movie, like just an absolute dumpster I fire. I want to watch it, see how bad it is. It's apparently, it is borderline unwatchable, and it the director has gone on record and said that the studio heavily interfered with the yeah, production of the shit. film, and that is his main blame. I mean, yeah. you never know, right? Like, often it is the studios that cause mm. problems, but, you know, it is also a question of whether or not the director was doing his job all that well. Um, yeah. Or maybe the storyboard was garbage to begin with. Yeah, like with, the writing so. in general. Yeah. Like the adaptation of what story they were using. And was 1997. I feel like 1997 is kind of like a... That's that's our bubble year for bad CGI. So if it had yeah. CGI, it like, like yeah. I would say late 90s to early 2000s, you kind of want to avoid movies with CGI yeah. in them. Yeah. Because it's like it's like the reliance of 3D in like similar to the late 2000s, early 2010s after Avatar. Yeah. Uh, through it kind of became a crutch for a few years, and it does not hold up to yeah. today's standards yeah. by any means. There's also the reboot, which we did briefly mention, that came out in 2011 with Jason Momoa, um, which did pretty horribly both commercially and critically. Mm-hmm. But. If you're a big fan of the Conan movie, you can always dive into the book series. As you and I would probably agree, uh, usually the book series is better than the TV or movie series anyway. Case in point, the Dark Towers movie, which never happened. Oh my God, was that bad? Uh, But other other stuff we could we could be talking about that for days. But it's it's nice to know that there's. There's something that if you're a really big fan of this world that you can go back into the adaptations uh, or what it was adapted from and get into that. I, I think that's really cool to be able to do that. 
Legacy. There's also some really interesting legacy bits here. I think we've talked about some of them already, um, about how uh, this put Arnold on the map acting-wise. Yeah. It helped improve his acting. Funny enough, Arnold's contract restricted him from starring in other sword and sorcery films. Wow. Um, hmm. So that's why we don't really see Arnold in this type of role afterwards. However, I think that's a blessing in disguise because he didn't end up getting typecast as in these kind of movies. Yeah, yeah. Because that's often something you see with an actor is mm-hmm. everybody loves them in something... And I'm trying to think of like who a good example of this is, and then they never really able to move on from their career, despite maybe them even being passionate about something else. They might not even be, have been passionate about the role to begin with, and now suddenly they're yeah. stuck in that. Yeah, I'm trying to think of someone. Um, That's the problem, is because once you get typecast, you kind of become forgettable. Yeah, um, it's yeah, a little bit exactly. what's happening with Chris Pratt right now. Actually, yeah. he's becoming a generic like action yeah. star, and. It, He's not the best at it, to be honest, because, uh, like, I would say right now, like, Tom Cruise is still killing it in that role, and there's a couple other action stars, but it seems to be what Chris Pratt is wanting to pursue, and all the power... He's getting paid. Yeah, he's getting paid. paid. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah, I can't really knock him too much, because he's getting paid more per minute than I will in my life. Um, (laughs) Also, in the uh, Stranger Things, before we see the sword... Somebody has a Conan the Barbarian uh, poster on their wall, which is just another oh, cool. little nod there. Yep. And then, um, like, cool poster as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was phenomenal. Like, yeah. they they crushed that like time period. Everything there was like perfect. Yeah, like, I really that, enjoyed. That was a great poster. Yeah, the aesthetics of it. And really that neat. that has been replicated multiple times. Oh in yeah, so absolutely. Many. That's one of the references that you'll often see. Another f- funny thing that I, comes up a lot is like referencing Conan in different movies and shows and stuff like that. Like Schwarzenegger actually says "To hell with you" again in another movie, The Running Man. No way. And he says that like the same quote in Conan. There's uh. A muscular librarian in this one show and it, he was someone referenced him as conan the librarian nice <laughs> yeah um conan punches a camel in jingle all the way sorry uh arnold punches a reindeer in jingle all the way the exact same way conan punches a camel nice in conan <laughs> What's really interesting, legacy-wise, is how this genre really didn't take off after this. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of... Until Lord of the Rings, this was the epitome of sort of fantasy. Sorcery. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you can't even really classify... I, I would not classify Lord of the Rings as a sword and sorcery film. Like, I really would classify that it is more like, as a fantasy. It's closer to high fantasy. If yes, exactly. Yeah. But at the time, there wasn't high fantasy and fantasy and, like... Yeah. Sword and Sorcery was kind of, like, the area of the first. Like, it was, like, the beginnings of fantasy. Well, and that's what you and I were kind of, like, when we started to do our research into what we were going to watch, because we did want to watch a fantasy film, pre-Lord of the Rings, there really isn't a lot of commercial successes in this genre. Yeah. And I think part of it is because of the, uh, the trouble with filming and the special effects in these types of films it's a big risk like to 
like the Lord of the Rings is one of the largest risks of all time and it paid off and I'm very thankful for that and it set the movie world off on a and and even the TV world uh, and yeah really interesting path along that same line you like with Wheel of Time Mm -hmm. they haven't really been able to nail down how magic works like to look at magic so right. translating magic well to the screen even like harry potter if you're like a diehard harry potter fan like i am kind of like kind of you're yeah, a diehard harry yeah potter yeah fan. <laughs> um uh the magic like it wasn't the same as when you read it like the they just did generic sparks like they didn't say the spells often and like i won't get too far into it but magic is hard to do so the sorcery part of sword and sorcery mm-hmm. half the time it's going to look like it did in conan yeah and this is something that you and i off uh, mike talked a little bit about but this is something that i did actually write down as well is i kind of wonder if the stories themselves are a little too straightforward in their narratives yeah and it, if it becomes a bit of a problem with the expectations of the audience versus what these films are about it's like they're trying to con buying like a good action film they basically just turn into action films like dumb action films yeah when the sword and sorcery like idea the books and like the lore and everything that you could get into can't it hasn't been able to be translated well well and there's probably something to be said about like a deep theological kind of movie like i think if if you were to explore the theology behind Conan and the cult and, and everything else. Like, I think there's a really interesting movie there that you could make that explores like what it is to be a leader, because that's what this movie does touch on is what does it mean to be a leader and Conan and who he is to be as a leader in the future as, as the King. I think if you were to really dive into that, that theology and, and what it means to be human probably as well, um, that you could really explore an interesting film there. It's just, it seems to be really hard to have that aspect and have, like, the action aspect of a sword and sorcery. Like, there's probably yeah. a little bit of, like, studio expectations as well. Yeah. Like, not only not only are you trying to satisfy the hardcore fans of the genre, yeah. you're trying to satisfy mainstream audiences, and you're trying to satisfy the studio here. And And that's exactly <laughs> what happened with Game of Thrones, too. Like, we lost the magic aspects, and they ramped up a little bit of, like, the dumb politics stuff because that was easier to film, and, like, it didn't really carry the story forward. There's and so see, many issues is, there. And so here's the thing, though, is is I actually have a very different opinion of as you to that, um, and this that's, is, that's where it becomes hard this, to satisfy people yeah, because yeah. I preferred the political aspects of Game of Thrones. And... I, that's what I I actually agree with you there. This yeah. is what the mainstream kind of feels about it. That's what I was referencing. Sorry. Right. So I do agree with you there. Like I liked the like the playing chess and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that everything was going on, but we lost some of the the appeal of sword and sorcery. The, the, the fantasy element. Yeah, the fantasy element. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, I like, and that's as a side note. Like, like I recently read the original Dune book, and oh, yeah. there's something special about a really good political drama yeah. masked in something like a sci-fi or a fantasy. Mm. It's really fantastic when it's done well, and the first few series and first few books of Game of Thrones did that extraordinarily well. No doubt. And then it devolved into the end into yeah. hot garbage. And but. I feel like that's what's happening with Wheel of Time. We've only seen one season, but like. There's so much more going on in the books, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, let's dive into our personal reviews on the Parker Factor. I'm going to be a little bit more down on this than you are, I think. And I'm going to tier this, because like I said before, there are aspects of this film that I really loved, and there are aspects of this film that I didn't enjoy. So, for me, what I really loved was the soundtrack. It fit the film extraordinarily well. You can tell that the the composer really thought about what is sword and sorcery and, mm. and how do I compose something that fits that genre. And it did it in such an extraordinarily way that I think this movie should be recognized for its soundtrack. That is the highlight for me. I really liked the costume and set design. However, I do have some problems with it, which I kind of mentioned before. But overall, very good job. For me, the story is the weakest element to the film. And that's where it hurts the most. Yeah. I didn't care enough about Conan avenging his family. Like, for me, I don't know what it was, but the stakes just didn't matter to me. Yeah. They didn't translate that well from, like, the beginning intro sequence where it it tries to get you to care. Yeah. And then his motivation after he gets the... uh, like the, that necklace diamond thing, mm-hmm. the eye of the serpent, that's what it was called. Yes. Um, after he gets that and then, uh, King Osric is like, I'll give you all the jewels you want. And that seems like all Conan cares about at that point. So yeah. 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 And the last part that I didn't really love about this film is I felt that Thulsa doom, uh, his motives weren't really fleshed out enough for me to also care because it's, it's also really important to, build an interesting villain like obviously the joker is the top of that Mm. um and having an interesting either backstory or even lack of backstory can really add to the character but like what motivates them and i just didn't care and maybe it came a little too late for me to care about thulsa doom's motivations because he kind of he does eventually say you know it's the power over people that really is what matters to me and in the prophecy of steel, I didn't feel like was fleshed out enough for me at the beginning either. So, like, I didn't care about that, and then I didn't really care about Dulce Doom's motivations either. Conan's was kind of a one-note motivation of avenging his family, but it, what you see in in a film about vengeance is there's often this discussion of like, well, what's next for you after this? Like, yeah, if, yeah. If if you if you do eventually avenge your family like and and even if you do like it is it really gonna make that hole in your life like actually disappear and that really isn't explored here all that much i don't know i don't remember if they go into that in the second but like that's kind of what it sets it up for i feel like like if you're gonna have any trilogy setting up the character in the first one to have vengeance and then the second one to be struggling with the fact that they had their vengeance and now what Right. That makes sense, and I think it would have made sense for where they were going. But I definitely agree. Like, it's... You don't care enough. The story wasn't there to support 
what his motivations were really like it didn't mm-hmm. deepen it it was very surface level yeah, exactly so I'm interested to hear like I know that you're a little bit higher on this movie than me so I really want to hear what your review of the film was yeah I think it like nostalgia obviously adds a lot to it and I did watch this like with my dad when I was uh like 13 14 right so uh it was really cool back then especially because I got to see some boobs um, <laughs> like uh, besides that yeah like this is like it's not high on my list I think I would rewatch it a few more times in my life mm-hmm. but uh, it's not like a rewatchable thing but I am gonna make my kid watch it <laughs> if I if I have uh, some kids I want them to watch it just just for the nostalgia yeah that's completely and, fair um it- yeah Sorry. And so it's good enough for you to want to share with somebody, I, I think, is where you land. Whereas yeah, for me, yeah. like, I don't think that I would share this. And it's not on it's not in the top 100 movies that I would probably even share with people. Like, there are yeah. other movies. Like, uh, since since we've started this podcast, I have rewatched um, Butch Casting the Sundance Kid mm. with uh, somebody. I have talked nonstop about Thief yeah. with anybody and any everybody who yeah. even is mildly interested in the gangster genre. And this one, I, I think, is probably just going to be something that I don't really talk about after this podcast. Yeah, too yeah. Much. Like I think it's like a pop culture reference that you could like mention from time to time, but that's mostly it. Like I watched this with somebody who watched it when it came out. Right. And they were so pumped about it, and yeah. they were so pumped and it about showing. Yeah, it mattered yeah. to them because at that time there wasn't that much. Yeah. So it, then it, that got passed on to me, and if you can keep that going, that's cool. But if if it doesn't work, there's so many other ones. That yeah, you're it's gonna similar be able to, to my experience with. with ET and why I wanted yeah. to do ET on the podcast because it means something to me, and it means something to somebody who's important to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that and that's cool. That's cool yeah. that you have that with with this film. Mm-hmm. And I, I think as well, like you're a little bit higher on the fantasy genre yeah. than I am. Don't get me wrong; like the Lord of the Rings series is one of the greatest series of yeah. all time. Peter Jackson is an absolute monster in the fact that he even was able to get that greenlit and yeah. and even at that point in time be able to direct that trilogy and the way that he was able to produce it all together like that but for me like i'm a big sucker for sci-fi and i always have been um so i feel a little bit more at home with like a the thing or Mm. um the alien movie series and stuff like that like that's that's what as as a podcaster you're gonna get a little bit more from me whereas as this the fantasy genre is a little bit more your realm of expertise yeah that's fair yeah, but overall, there's some fun things within the movie. It was good. It's not great. It's Arnold. It's Arnold. It's Arnold <laughs> at a good spot and an yeah. interesting spot in his career. Yeah, and it's fun for some people, Fun, like not as fun for others, whatever. It's It was enjoyable for me because of nostalgia, mm-hmm. and that's basically the the best, like, thing that i can pass on yeah to anybody else well and this is the kind of the last piece that i had in in this section is i really enjoy doing research for this film there's a lot of cool backstory and interesting facts as well as perspectives from arnold and the rest of the cast and the crew that have come out over the years that it's an absolute pleasure to 
be doing research for this one i i had a lot of fun like obviously i i talked probably a lot in this episode um because i was passionate about everything that i wanted to talk about even though i wasn't passionate about the film yeah itself. yeah i am a fan of arnold like i i do really appreciate that arnold is more than a human being like that man is is pretty much a god among men like yeah he, he's done everything yeah um and he's good at everything that he does yeah like uh, nobody else has transitioned that many times at that level exactly. in one lifetime maybe since like i don't know like plato i don't know plato da even, Vinci? maybe george washington he, he was kind of one track but like he was he was like exceptional right. alexander the great like yeah like, he, he, arnold schwarzenegger is going to be if humanity is still around in a thousand years from now yeah. they're going to be talking about arnold still yeah yeah just like culturally he has impacted the world on like at least three levels. I would say two to be like like bodybuilding and film. Yeah, he's hundred percent impacted the world. As a senator, that's kind of an add on. But yeah. like the fact that he like he transitioned into politics and has a successful pretty, career as well. Yeah, it, as yeah, well. Like California loves him. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I I think we can kind of end that piece on that. Let's uh, talk about some of our favorite quotes because there are some great Arnold quotes in this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've already used up like some of the best, his crom prayer. What do you think about that? Right at the end of the movie. Yeah, it's like the last yeah. time he actually talks at the end of the yeah. movie. Like, uh, I'll, I'll do it. Okay. Crom. I've never prayed to you before. I have no tongue for it. No one, not even you, will remember if we were good men or bad, why we fought or why we died. All that matters is that two stood against many. That's what's important. Valor pleases you, Krom, so grant me one request. Grant me revenge, and if you do not listen, then to hell with you! <laughs> I like how you put a little bit of Irishness into that as Did well. Did I? Fuck. There was a tingling of... Yeah, that, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's pretty epic. Like it's it's pretty cool at the end. Yeah, there. yeah. Like um, the like, I hadn't really seen um like a main character saying like to hell with you to their god, mm-hmm. and so it's an interesting and that's kind of like a Celtic thing I think too or like an older older religion thing where like they were definitely Celtic. Yeah, they weren't like all or nothing with their god, but they were like it was like a give and take. Like, I'll worship you, you give me this. And that's, like, an old-fashioned, like, it fit the time period that he's kind of playing in. Yeah, and that's also a little bit a part of a theme that we didn't talk about is um, the gods and and whether or not the gods matter at this point in time. Well, they do because a guy could turn into a snake. (laughs) Obviously, they matter. It's like the red woman in uh, Game of Thrones. And the yeah. fire god. <laughs> like, all the falling and, like, yeah. awkward action and everything. Yeah. There's some there's some really great Arnold sounds. <laughs> yeah. I like how the ending of the movie kind of ends with, like, that, that monologue of, uh, like, the narrator talking about, like, the feats that Conan goes on to do. Um, 
and and how yeah. like the story still continues. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, again, they kind of reminded me of Mad Max. I, I did enjoy that ending. Um, he also looks really badass sitting on his throne like yeah, that at yeah. the end too. Oh yeah, that's set up like that set up the next movie so fucking well. Everyone who watched the first one was gonna watch the second one. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Honestly, like Thulsa Doom was. He wasn't super fleshed out well, but he was unique and he was good. Like, he was he was a decent villain. Yeah, and I think that's what James Earl Jones brought to the movie yeah. itself. Like, If it was anyone else, if it was anyone unknown, it would have been bland. Yeah. But he added that gravitas to it. He just it. has such a great voice. Yeah. And he just yeah. uses it so well. And, like, his, his like, uncaring face, like, his stare worked yeah. well. You don't really see that too much in uh, Star Wars, but, you know. <laughs> True. Oh, uh, the orgy scene. That was pretty, like, visceral. Yeah. Like. It definitely is a callback to, like, uh, the Roman Empire, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, whereas, like, they were using, like, in the Roman Empire, they were like spilling olive oil all over everybody. Yeah. The these people because they were a fucked up cult were using the rendered um fat of humans. Yeah. How and gross like, is that? The you could tell the hands in the jar in the big uh cauldron mm-hmm. were like completely fake <laughs> and there was even like a head in there and everything. Yeah. But like it was still such a cool concept. Well the head in wasn't the head in there because he cut it off and it fell in? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I'm not hundred percent on that, but I don't know. Because when think he when so. he like poured it out kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, it was I'm pretty sure he cut his head off and his head fell into there. Uh, maybe, maybe I missed that. But yeah, I, I think I think it was just when they were stirring it or something. Well, I have maybe to not. pay attention on the next rewatch, yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, a few years for that probably. But anyways, um, but yeah, like that. I actually really like that fight sequence and uh, like the guy with the big hammer. You could tell the hammer was really light though. Like it wasn't full metal or anything. But it was fun. I like how Valeria's ghost comes back at the end. I, I thought that was a cool. Yeah, touch. yeah, um, yeah. I didn't like In, her like, line shining. was a little teachy, like uh, not my favorite. Like, yeah, do you want to yeah. live forever? Yeah. Um, but because they were, it was a reference to earlier when she yeah. said that. Yeah. So, but I thought it was cool how she came back. Yeah, it was cool. It was badass. Yeah, I want more from the world that they live in. Yes, and that's like that's where it leaves you like it leaves you wanting more because you didn't get it from the movie exactly it, would this would this actually be better as a tv show 100% but that's hard to say because look at wheel of time yeah wheel of time is a yeah but we don't have any we don't have a movie to compare the wheel of time to though no but i'm saying the wheel of time as like as itself with mm-hmm. the books it's still stepping so far away from the books. Mm-hmm. That's fine, but it's missing certain elements. Well, and that probably just comes down to production and who's producing it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, are the people? Do the people understand the source material that they're? They uh... We're supposed to, man. <laughs> like, Rafe, Rafe, uh... the guy who's running it. Yeah. He, everything leading up to it made it seem like he very much understood, but then something fell apart. Yeah, that's so, fair. I would say a Conan show might do very well if it was produced by the right people and everything, of mm-hmm. course. Same with a good m- another movie series. Yeah. But 
Apparently it's hard to do because they tried in 2011 with Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa would have been perfect as Conan too, because he's more like he fits more with that time period kind of. Well, and here's the other thing is it, I think it becomes difficult as well when you already have the expectations and you already have a bar, um, yeah. because when when you have the Conan bar, you like automatically as a studio you want to make a movie because Conan yeah. was already a movie mm. automatically there are certain aspects that you want to make out of Conan um, that you want to like rehash basically because you feel you have to because that's what the audience liked I think it becomes a little bit harder to take some of these risks that we're talking about yeah um, but no like people are taking risks still like there's risks that are being taken yeah. it's just not as often and yeah the studios have their hand in everything and like and, and especially yeah, if it's going to be a big budget thing right like and it has to be if it's sword and sorcery it absolutely has to be if it's sword and sorcery i fully agree with that and especially if you're going to do something like the wheel of time where you're going to these different um these different scenery like this different scenery like you're de dealing with different landscapes and different peoples and different customs and everything else like mm. if you're in the same city and it's like the same it looks like the same time period it's everybody's wearing the same thing it's a little bit easier you can get away yeah. with like cheating on a few things but if suddenly like every week you've got like a a new like suddenly we're in conan we're exploring barbarians and then we're exploring like medieval times there's potentially a samurai world here that we haven't really explored yeah, yeah. um there's the the cult themselves like it's probably a little bit more difficult to kind of zero in on these these different um settings i don't fully agree like i understand the difficulty there but i think someone could fucking do it right and yeah i think for a the, show might for, do it for well. a medium budget though yeah the people have done some crazy shit with low budgets it's just not the right people for other things like yeah. there's there's the right person for the job and we haven't found it yet or they haven't found Conan yet or something. Well, and the, and at this point in time, like IPs are like, are valuable. And, and like the studios have recognized that there's yeah, value. Yeah. In, it's like, the politics of it all. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you don't want to like, you almost probably don't want to take a risk because if, if you have, like a bad movie or a bad TV show of like this the franchise. 2011 Conan. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like who wants to see another Conan movie? Like yeah. after that, uh, same with star Wars. Like it feels like star Wars is going down this path mm, of like, yeah. like I don't care. Mando was great. I loved the Mandalorian mm -hmm. and then, um, Boba Fett. Decent. I liked it, but Mando saved it in the end. Hmm. because the Mando line, like, the Mando shit was great, and then Mandalorian for anyone, whatever, and then um, the newest one, Kenobi, fucking sucked. <laughs> I was so pissed watching that. See, and I've kind of given up. Like, I've just, I've recognized that either yeah. maybe Star Wars isn't for me anymore, or maybe the studios just doesn't understand what good Star Wars is. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I, I think it's, like, if... Uh, John Favre did everything, mm -hmm. like all every single show, it would be good. But he can't do every single one no. and have this release schedule that they want to keep the audience yeah. 
in in like active actively watching and actively interested which is like is is almost a i can't i can't even think of the word because i got covid brain um not an oxymoron but like a conundrum in Mm. and of itself because the original star wars franchise was three movies in the 70s and 80s right and then we didn't have anything like any movies in that franchise for 20 years yeah um and now they want to push the legend of the star wars was like so so massive and and, like the sale of of like and like after those first after that first trilogy there were so many books yeah so much source material so many stories so many action figures like everything but uh there's there's like ten thousand years almost written about Mm -hmm. but they still go back to tatooine with the same characters at the same time period. Yeah. Let's do a few years after. Let's do in between. Yeah. Let's do it just slightly before. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like there's so much more to this universe. Yep. It's but, a literal universe. A and whole we're, universe. And we're focusing on the Skywalkers. Yeah, like, All right. When did this podcast become about Star Wars? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um, uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't have too much else to add. No, about I think Conan. we're done for Conan. So. Um, this is probably a good spot to wrap up, I think. Um, so our, our next movie, I'm really excited about this one. Um, we're going to be doing Jaws for Shark Week. Yeah. Uh, because things got a little bit messed up because of COVID, um, you're probably going to get this episode and then right after get Jaws within a few days or maybe at the same time, depending on what my uh, editing time frame Double looks feature. Like. Yeah, double feature week. So something to look forward to. Um that I guess you won't know about until at least this one is out. But it's like it's almost like two snakes coming together, <laughs> facing each other, but they're one. That's another line from Cody. I'm very aware. <laughs> yeah. Yes, for the for the audience. Uh, so I actually have never seen Jaws, and I'm I'm looking forward to watching one of the Same. biggest blockbuster movies of all time. Yeah, like you. this is it's crazy that we haven't, but we're at the right age to not have watched it. Yeah. But at the same time, we're, we're going to be taking like, uh, I think you and I can separate the level of fame that this movie has yeah. and we'll watch it and really determine whether a, it holds up or not still. Yeah. Um, and B, if it's an objectively good movie. And I think it is an objectively good movie. It I, must be. I'm going in. Yeah. With it's expectations. Like, there's never been another shark movie that pops into your mind. If someone's like, shark movie, you say Jaws. Absolutely. So, they had a unique premise that hadn't been done before, or at least not well, not well known at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it is the shark movie. Absolutely. So, they killed it, apparently. Yeah. They crushed it. Like, it is pop it's a pop culture phenomenon oh absolutely it so, is like the yeah. even the soundtrack is so, something yeah of, of historic importance yeah um but let's save all this talk for next week yes let's do it <laughs> all right have a good one everyone i'm really excited to be back and podcasting um and i'm looking forward to the upcoming few months yes yes yeah i was trying yes. to do a Con- conan <laughs> Oh, 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 oh.